0: the driven women's guide to love life and business
1: hosted by the boss ladies alex and gabby combined their network gathers an
0: array of women from various industries who exemplify strength and tenacity their fun and positive approach to life will awaken the boss in you you're listening to girls
1: gone boss the emmy-nominated hbo original series a black lady sketch show is back don't miss all new episodes of the hilarious sketch comedy series featuring creator Robin Thede, Ashley Nicole Black, Gabrielle Dennis, Lacey Mosley, Sky Townsend, and tons of other celebrity guests. And to celebrate, we are giving away Eden Bodyworks gift cards. Watch a Black Lady sketch show Fridays at 11 p.m. on HBO and streaming on HBO Max. Head on over to Girls Gone Boss on Instagram to enter this awesome giveaway. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Girls Gone Boss. I am Alex and I'm here with Gabby and today we get to sit down with another amazing woman, Joanna Salazar. Joanna is a leading Latinx media and entertainment executive with almost 20 years of experience in TV production, operations, content digital, XR strategy, format development, licensing, acquisition and platform development with a history of launching linear and digital networks for US and global audiences. Currently, Joanna is a partner at Two Goats, a creative technology studio focusing on building next-gen creative consumer experiences for audiences around the world. Joanna is also a partner at Tech Row, an education technology company. She is also a partner at Freedom Studios, a media company creating thought-provoking, groundbreaking, and uplifting content for the global market that inspires social change. Joanna, you are... Clearly the jack of all trades. Welcome to the show.
2: Hi, ladies. Thank you so much. I love first of all, I love what you're doing. I love that this is part of the family. Anybody who's a Viacomer, former Viacomer alumni, we're all family for life. So I'm so proud of you and thank you for doing this and holding this space for women and 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 people in and in, in this industry. So thank you. Thank you for oh. having me.
0: Of course. And it's so true. We definitely have a family in MTVers and like Viacom. We, I'm telling you, there's been a lot of them that we have featured on the podcast. So I had to have you on. I'm so happy that you slid into my DMs. I'm very, very happy for that.
2: <laughs> so, do that show together.
0: Yeah. So tell us, do you remember the exact moment you knew what career path you wanted to take?
2: No idea. Um, first of all, I was um, I'm, I'm the daughter of a cleaning lady. I was a cleaning lady myself and I had, you know, I was a statistic. So, uh, however, I was a statistic in the Hamptons. So I was a cleaning lady in the Hamptons. So it's a little different. Um, people don't feel bad for me at all. Um, I knew that I wanted to do, I, I knew that I wanted to go to college. Like literally that was my absolute goal. Cause nobody in my family went to college and I was the first one. And one of my aunts went but didn't graduate so it was like I was like that was my only goal in life to graduate go to college and then hopefully get a good job um, but I was cleaning uh, the house of, a, of this couple with, a, with, a, do- with a, a daughter who was my age and I mean this girl had everything and but she didn't have motivation and determination and I had all of that but I didn't have all the other stuff she had so funny enough, the, the the my boss asked me to talk to their daughter. So I was like, they asked me a 16 year old to motivate their 16 year old, rich girl, daughter. Um, anyways, they this family became endeared with me. Like they just loved me, and um, they would take time out after I cleaned the house to just sit with me and talk to me and mentor me. And I, this man really was the first person that kind of gave me. I realized that I had aspiration and I was very ambitious and ambition for me was something that wasn't really celebrated it was something that was not necessarily looked as um, a positive thing I don't know why Um, and this family really opened that up for me so going to college was my biggest goal in life at 16 and then um, I remember I wanted to go to um, one of my uncles said you're the way you are, you're probably going to be a journalist, or you're going to be an attorney, because you ask too many questions, you're too curious, you're too, you know, you just are bigger than life. Um, So then he put that kind of that thing in my head, maybe journalism, maybe a lawyer, and I ended up going to school for journalism. And then I was like, I want to be an international studies journalist. And so that's, I did a, a, a summer abroad in Italy, and Anyways, I thought, you know, I'm probably going to be a journalist. I'm going to go and cover the war somewhere. And I'm going to be like somewhere doing something amazing, grandiose. Now I'm going to save the world. Um, I didn't do any of that. But instead, I got an internship at MTV. And this was through the people at this house who, they were my bosses. I cleaned their house during the day. And then before I left, they just sat and talked to me for a little bit. So they helped me get an internship at MTV and that's really the beginning of my career in television because I didn't even know what production was. I had no idea. So I, had, I, it, I it wasn't a clear, like, I'm going to grow up to be a TV producer. No, I just wanted to graduate college.
0: <laughs> and at that point, how old were you? You, were, you said 16, but when you got the internship, how old were you?
2: I was, so I was in college and I think I was 20. I was 20 because I, that's when I started, that's when I, I feel like I started my career at MTV. I was 20. Fun fact, both, well, Alex, you did it. did you intern first?
0: No. no, okay. I also interned at MTV and that's how my career started. So I think, you know, just a valuable takeaway for our listeners is internships are so, so key. Oh my God.
2: Yeah. 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 At the time, I feel like everybody that I, I that I was with, what, like
3: 98% were former interns. So it's a huge way to get into a company for sure. I've actually ended up hiring most of my my interns after their internship ended and they graduated um, college whenever yeah. they're already looking for a job, like two years later, a year and a half later um, their work ethic is, is really valuable, right? Like their, their spirit, their drive. And, and you see that as a boss and I've always welcomed them back into, into the, into the life of production through Mm -hmm. them having a job full-time with me after they graduate. So yeah, it's really important to, to intern places.
2: I agree. I always thought of interns as like, I was my, I was a bigger, a huge recruiter of interns. And I always thought if these kids give you all of that, I mean the good ones, if they give you all of that for free and they come in with so much passion and curiosity and just hunger for for, for learning, then imagine what they're gonna do when you pay them. That's how I saw it. But now they get paid. Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> God forbid I'm like you guys are so privileged. We did not get paid and we had to go get coffee. We had to do things that like were not in the description, the job description, but we were like hustling. But I love it. Did you start initially in production or were you in like a different department?
2: I I actually did start directly in production. Um, I was, it was, I feel like it was such a blessing. My whole journey has been such a blessing. I was the intern for the person who hired everybody. At the time, it was a really weird structure. One person, and she wasn't HR, she wasn't production. She was like in the middle, Uh, Suzanne Marino. I don't know if you met her, you're too young. But anyways, I was given to her as her intern. And I remember feeling like, oh, everybody either went to here or here or here, and they put me here. And I thought, oh, it's going to be so boring. And then I realized, oh my God, this just, I was in front of everybody. So I wasn't just with this team or that team, every team came through her. So I was exposed to everybody. So at the time of my internship, they did a, uh, you had to do a turnaround. So you could, you didn't just stay with one department. You, You went and rotated, which was great. And I was the only one that wasn't rotating because apparently she loved me so much. She already had a job for me for like, after my internship. And that's what really opened it up for me. But I did my first um, PA job right after the internship was for the movie awards and, and, and TRL. So that's what got me into, but I was always in production. And then that put me into, I was production, production management.
1: So how did you
3: start growing in, in, in Viacom? Cause you helped um, numerous roles and eventually a huge role. You, mm-hmm. you want to talk about that?
2: Yeah, so I, I realized early on that um, I do, I did really enjoy the creative and the development part. But what I found more fascinating was the business part, like the business side of production. And to me, that was production management. I was like, I manage budgets, I tell people what to do. I I felt like I was the boss, the like the the woman in charge. So I was like, I definitely want to I kind of wanted to do both, but I real, I realized early on that I wanted to develop more of my business and media skills. So I kind of stayed in production management, grew into um, line producer. We launched MTV3, a new network um, with Jose Dion, who you guys interviewed. He and I shared an office at um, in New York. So when he took his 9 a.m. flights in to, to make that 10 a.m. meeting, um, we were sharing an office. And um, at the time when we launched MTV3, MTV3 was like a startup company it, within Viacom, and that's really when I started learning about myself and and understanding that I have these entrepreneurial ideas. I I I, I was an I had I was an entrepreneur, but I wasn't really an entrepreneur at the time. But I just had that spirit, so I I felt like. When we, were, when we launched MTV3, I okay, grew into line producer and then I felt like I needed more to, to really grow my career. Um, and I left and I started my first venture. So I was there for seven years, grew into line producer um, and then left for seven years and then came back as a VP of production planning and, and operation, uh, production planning and operations, yeah.
0: What was your proudest moment during that Viacom time? Because you helped launch a whole new channel, which was MTV3 at the time. It was super amazing because it was finally like a channel that was catering to like U.S. Hispanics. And, you know, that the audience that that we know now is so valuable. So what was some of the proudest moments that you have from like your MTV days?
2: Oh, my God, there were so many um from the first because i feel like i had two lives at at mtv and then viacom because when i came back it was viacom before it was mtv Uh, and you held that mtv badge really proudly right so um i had so many proud moments but i feel like the one the things that stick out the most for me um from back in the day i feel like mtv 3 was such because it was such an entrepreneurial experience like we were given a budget we were told you need to have shows airing this day like in two months we didn't even have desks we didn't have computers it was like me and another executive um and i was 25 years old and we were we were responsible for so much i had never done this before i was working with lily and we had to go and hire we were literally running around the 16th floor which used to be the hr floor and we were like taking staplers from empty desks and chairs and like we found a computer we would take it like we would just literally i put at the time in corporate in corporate you couldn't just put a credit card to buy laptops and cameras like $30,000 you know camera gear but i did i was like i'm going to get in so much trouble for this but we need to get on the ground we need to get to producing and you know producers make things happen so that's what i do and we got everything done and then we got yelled at i knew that was going to happen <laughs> We had a lot of support from our leaders, and I, and they gave us a, a long leash, and they just let us do it. That's why for me it was like my first big entrepreneurial experience, um, because it was it felt that way. I think that was a really really proud moment, just bringing that because we were not at the top. We were we were the doers, you know. We were hiring. We were coming up with creative. We were producing. We were just delivering we are doing everything on the ground. And for me, a white, a vanilla Latina uh, growing up in the Hamptons, who I always, I felt like I wasn't Latina enough and I wasn't white enough. Working at MTV3, I was like, oh my God, finally, I met my people. Like I met my tribe. It, it just felt like I was back in college. I It just felt like I'm amazing. And we were getting things done. And launching this new network. We, we just felt like such rebels. It was amazing. But then, you know, the work, the real work started. Now pe- lots of expectations. Like we have to deliver the, the pressure on us and me being so young um, and being responsible for such a big team and such a big, but I had never managed $6 million before. Like that was a lot. And so that was really proud, a proud moment. And then the second time around, when I came back to Viacom as a VP, I mean, leaving one thing and then coming back as a VP it was like I don't know it just felt surreal I was like oh my god my mom my mom must be so proud my mom didn't even know what a producer did so I was proud um but yeah going back to that to then being responsible for like at Viacom I was now not just working with MTV but all the different brands MTV, VH1, Logo, Comedy Central, Spike and I was given more of an operational role like I came back and I was the executive in charge of, of an award show called the OMAs, which was a new award show we had just launched. Well, we, that was in its infancy stages. And so I was doing that. And then I was also looking at the, like the future of TV production. How do we centralize operations? Like my wall, I had the painters come in in my office and paint me one of those, like right on the wall walls. And cause I needed to map out like what does it look like? What does MTV and VH1 and Logo's operational system look like? What systems are they using? How can we centralize? How we, can we be more efficient? Anyways, I, I realized that I came back from all these years of experience. I had, I had I've had i been producing. I've been an entrepreneur. I've been on the ground trying to raise money. Like I acquired all these skill sets and now the universe and my bosses at Viacom are giving me this opportunity to like really have an impact in the company as a whole, not just in the show. So those are some top level uh, proud moments, but I, I can give you so many more examples, like staying up till four in the morning, cause we have to, uh, we're waiting for Ricky Martin and Shakita and the eye of the hurricane is above us and we're all gonna die. So I have to, my boss calls me and says, stop the plane and we gotta get all these people. We li- literally took Mexicans away with us into my, anyways, the stories are endless but those are some some of the ones I <laughs> I could think of.
0: Wow. I mean I'm sure you have so many stories and the cool thing too is that you have seen kind of the evolution of the industry going from like you know like going into the digital age um and now doing things that before it was like unheard of or or like and just changing too with the times like how do you pivot during those times you know as an executive and as a strategist you know and 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 I think it's so important because people listening now, they could never believe the things that we had to do, like the the tapes and the beta tapes that we had to deal with and all the old school, you know, analog technology. And now, and you were able to also see the evolution of like an industry and be a part of that like um, transition. So that's also, I think, a cool perspective to have.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's so funny because I've always felt like a disruptor and Sometimes not only am I an entrepreneur, one, I'm a, I'm a producer. Uh, you're naturally crazy. Two, I'm an entrepreneur. That means you're shit back the cray. <laughs> Extra cray cray. And I'm a disruptor. That means like, that's it. I have no, no, no hope for me in the future. Um, and that really, when I was in corporate America, it was really hard for me to feel like I was in, like once I achieved, I needed more and more, more and more. And seeing where things were going, I couldn't, I've always been the type of person that I'm always ahead of things. So I'm not afraid to make crazy decisions. I'm not afraid to let go and move on to the next thing and and really embrace the future. And that's what I did the first time I left Viacom. And when I left, um, I was called to go launch a YouTube channel. And I was like a YouTube channel. This was in 2012. I had like three YouTube channels and I, I don't, I don't even remember my passwords to get into them. I think I need to figure it out. Cause I think I must've posted some crazy ass videos of my niece in a, in a swing or something. I remember
0: this Joanna, you were working with Jesse Torero, no?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Jesse and, and James Cruz and all these like amazing, five amazing men contacted me, hired me to go launch this YouTube channel. And I was like, you're going to pay me how much to do a YouTube channel? Okay. And then I remember, oh my God, this is amazing. Because whereas when you're producing for traditional television and at the time it was real linear, you know? And when you're producing now for YouTube in 2012, I was blown away at the fact that I had instant data and analytics and we're like, okay, we're losing 80% of our audience in the first five to seven seconds why? So you have instant data and metrics that you can use to help you really make those changes quickly. I didn't have that. Like you, you have to wait for ratings and it wasn't, an, it was so archaic. So that really opened my eyes to the future of content consumption and content creation for us as producers. So I was like, oh my God, like this is amazing. And that's really what's, what starting me on that path. So I wanted more and more and more. And then I started getting into emerging technology, AR, VR and like interactive uh, video consumption. And so I started really diving into that. I went back to school. I got like, I got an MBA. Um, I took some courses, like I'm always trying to keep myself updated. So that's why I said like, when I went back to Viacom the second time I had already, I had acquired all these new skills and now I was looking at things differently. So then when I went back to Viacom, well, right before I, I went back, I started a company called Media Disruptors because my goal was to use all this stuff that I was learning to really redefine the fe- and reimagine the future of, of, of storytelling. And, um, but then I went to, back to Viacom, I took a great opportunity and that kind of stunted that, but um yeah, I mean, I I I dove right into the digital space and one, It's like once you open your eyes to it, you can't go back. You know, it's like, what's happening now? It's it's so exciting and it's it's not the future. It's the now.
0: Oh, I love that. It's not the future. It's the now. Yeah. Well, so now you're a full time entrepreneur.
2: Yeah, I, I now. I consider myself a serial entrepreneur, which I didn't I didn't even know what that was, but I I've come to terms. Actually, no. Officially, I'm a tech entrepreneur. That's what I feel comfortable with these days. Yeah.
0: Can you explain that? Yeah. What is a tech entrepreneur?
2: It's so funny because um, when I went back to Viacom the second time, my boss, Jeff Jacobs, who's a hot mess. He's so funny. I love him. He said, what are you doing these days? I'm like, I'm an entrepreneur. And he was like, that means you're broke and you're, and you don't have any money and you're like he, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, so the idea of entrepreneurship back in the day was like bad. And now it's celebrated because people want you to have the, the entrepreneurial mindset. Um, so a tech entrepreneur for me is, you know, everything is technology these days. And if we're not embracing that, like we're so, I I can't even, I can't help you, you know, so for me, um, I always look at everything through the lens of storytelling and content creation. Everything that I do, I look through that lens. And it, my husband and I um, had a company called, well, my, st- my husband launched a company called Two Goats and then I joined Two Goats. It's an immersive creative uh, technology studio. And that's really where I got exposed to software development and bringing technology to life. And so because I have been for the past like eight years in that space, I've now, I feel comfortable embracing the term tech entrepreneur because I use technology for everything that I do. Like I look at everything, like I, I said before, I look at everything through the lens of storytelling. Now I look at everything through the lens of storytelling and technology. Like how do we use technology to solve This problem, whatever the problem is.
3: So you're using you're using things like Unreal Engine, interactive video creation. Those are that type of technology, things that you're. you're Yeah, I need to think your brain about Unreal Engine because I have so many questions. But we'll do (laughs) another. You have to talk to my husband about the details. But yeah, so
2: because we've been developing AR and VR. technologies for the past few years experiences as i
3: like to call very that's very cool so tell us more about two goats, because that's where it's you and your husband correct
2: yeah so so my husband's british he started the company in england and he came here and we, though actually we met through virtual reality because at the time i was looking for not in a vr space but yeah we, t- we used to tell people match.com and then we used to tell people in vr anyways
0: I really wanted to know how you met your husband. And I was going to mention that because that's like one of my favorite things.
2: Christian Mingles. No, just kidding. (laughs) Um, wait, let me finish this. So, so yeah, so we started, so he started to go. I joined because that's really where my passion was, like these technologies. And it was so cool because so this was in 2017. We were doing really, really cool stuff. And now I real I, I learned that. Um, the key to success in business is selling. You have to sell. So he learned, he taught me that. Like I had no idea how to sell. I was always embarrassed. I didn't know my value. I, I, I underpriced. I felt embarrassed knocking on a door, emailing anybody, calling anybody. I was always embarrassed because I thought like I was asking them for money or I was asking them for something. But then when I realized that, no, what I'm doing is I'm solving a problem. I'm, bring, I'm helping people. With something that they need. So when I sh- shifted my mind around that, it transformed my 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 way of looking at business. So so yeah. So two goats. We were using new and emerging technologies such as AR, VR to to um, amplify marketing campaigns for networks. And we were doing we 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 did Latin uh, music awards, American Music Awards, the Llamas, the the bill the Latin billboards we did a lot of stuff with Telemundo, we we were at the World Cup, we did um, like a, an, a beautiful piece that I'm really proud of for the La Reina del Sur for the second season. It was like a promotional video that we shot in Colombia and Spain and it's amazing. You can find it in VR and YouTube and on Oculus. Um, so, so yeah, so Two Goats um, has been doing a lot of really cool stuff. We started f- primarily doing VR stuff and then uh, pivoted into more AR stuff because in business, you have to constantly pivot and make sure that you're generating revenue. So AR w- was really the thing that was more uh, uh, attainable by people because it's easy. It's just a phone. Whereas VR, you you need the headset. So um, so yeah, we did some really awesome stuff and we had a lot of fun and then the pandemic happened and that, and then our business kind of went on hold
0: so, and what a big pivot that was right yeah
2: yeah and then i'll tell you quickly how my husband and i met so we before i went back to viacom i was um with media disruptors we were we got a client who needed us to create some content
0: i have a question sorry just to interrupt you a little bit when you were with media disruptors is that when we were doing the stuff with my fashion store or when was it that week? Because remember we were filming for a reality show. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I do. No, no, it wasn't media disruptors. It was um it was right before media disruptors because Brenda and I were looking at we were actually doing it on our own. And then when I realized, oh my God, I can I can do this. Like I had the courage to I can go out, I can, I can develop with my friends, we can produce it with our own resources, we can get distribution because we know the networks. Um, and then that we made it official and then we launched uh, Media Disruptors, but yeah, yeah. And
0: That's- that was during the time that you met your husband. That's so cool.
2: No, no, I met him after that. So I met him in 2015 and we were working on a project together the project didn't go anywhere but we ended up getting married so that was good (laughs) that worked out yeah so was
0: it like love at first sight or it was like oh he's cool I
2: I I thought he was super sexy and handsome but I wasn't like my mindset wasn't thinking that I was thinking like I gotta I gotta learn business like how do I do this and so we were kind of on that but then when that project didn't work out and then we started kind of one time like i was seeing someone and he was seeing someone and then we both uh we all like a group of us met and then he and i ended up talking about how oh i'm i just got i'm single now and the and he was like yeah i'm single now and then that night literally we went out for too many drinks and we've been together since let me just
3: put it to you that way well, was, he, um, was he just here for work because you said he's british right
2: yeah no he was here he 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 established two goats here okay and that's how we met. Yeah, so, so I met two goats? Two goat? I, was, I was gonna hire two goats and then I ended up owning two goats.
0: <laughs> but why two goats? Are you the second goat?
2: Yeah, that's what I tell everybody then I'm like, he named it because he was waiting for me. No, the story is is really cute. It's related to his family. So they they had a pub in England. I feel like everybody had like everybody's family had a pub. Uh, so they had a pub. Um, his great grandparents or or grandparents in the family they used to have a pub and the pub's name was two goats and so that's uh, the story behind it yeah he tells you he's british so he tells you a a more colorful longer longer story that sounds way better i just get get to the bottom line
0: (laughs) and i'm sure his accent really got to you too i love a british accent
3: I
2: was like, talk to me, just talk to
0: me.
3: I love I love Joanna. She's, She is a producer. She's like, get to the point. This is a story, A, B, C, D, done. Yeah. yeah.
0: But you know what? It could also be two goats. Like I could see it like greatest of all time. Two oh years.
2: yeah. Okay, that was the other saying. I had never heard of greatest of all time. And then my little cousin, we were at the beach one day and he's like, Oh, you know, he was like a Guido Colombian. He's like, oh my God, I love the name Two Goats. You guys are the greatest of all time. That's so dope. And I was like, I look at Rich and I'm like, oh my God, that's so cool. We could tell people that. <laughs> I had no idea nah. that Goat was greatest of all time until that moment.
3: <laughs> well, now you know you're a goat. Just I don't like you've been up the game all along.
2: Listen, like anytime my friends think of goats, they now think of him and I. My cousin just sent me this. That's so
0: it's a notebook with two goats guys
2: yeah
0: <laughs> i love it and we know also just knowing you and your trajectory you're such a person all about social change and and making an impact so talk to us about freedom studios and what you're doing there to create that impact
2: yeah so it started uh, and actually you and i um a million years ago back in uh 2009 in miami we launched um when when i was when I left Viacom the first time, I was like, I need to go save the world and do something along those lines. So I, I learned about social entrepreneurship and and that's really what got me on that path. So I was like, I'm gonna start a company that's gonna be all about good media and good stories. And that was a Asenith, my first company. And that was named after my grandmother, who in my mind was the first social entrepreneur I've ever met. Social entrepreneurship is business that has uh, multiple bottom lines, uh, profit people planet. And for other people, it's profit people planet animals or like something else. So it's really purpose-driven, passion-driven, impact-driven business. And um, so I, I launched, I, I had a business coach at the time and she was like, well, you need to get involved in the community and you need to get coaches and you need to get this. And that. and I was like, oh my God, how like I'm launching a business. I don't have time for all that as well. So I had to make time for that. So I found out about this organization, Young Women Social Entrepreneurs. I contacted them. At the time, I was with my business partner, Glow, who I love. She's my best friend to this day. And we launched the Miami chapter of Young Women Social Entrepreneurs. We're still involved. I'm still involved with the New York chapter. And now, fast forward to today, there's a couple of things that are like, that's part of my DNA. So no matter what I do, and I'm always evolving, and I'm always staying ahead of things. But no matter what, I'm always connected to that part of me, the the purpose driven part of me. And so today, Freedom Studios is, um, is a a production company that focuses on developing, producing and delivering content that is impactful, that's um, uh, socially conscious, that's um, we are doing a lot of stuff with like female-driven narratives. Uh, we're looking, we're very excited about telling women's stories, getting things produced by women, working with other women. So that's something that we're pushing forward. Um, and also we are in the BIPOC space. We're Latinas, all of us. Um, Julia comes from, uh, she's a former development executive at A&E. Uh, Ling is a and Ling is a current executive at Saatchi. And I am, you know, a former Viacom executive. So together, we're like, let's let's just do this. So that's what we're doing with Freedom. Um, Techro is another uh, um, venture that I'm part of. It's uh, it's an educational platform. So we're looking at um, how do we incorporate immersive and emerging technology into the classroom experience or the new whatever the new normal becomes, right? Now it's, there's a hybrid and I think we're gonna be moving in that direction. Kids are gonna have the opportunity to learn wherever they want and however they want. And for me, I think that um, education is, is one of my biggest core values. So using technology to really help improve education and bring education to kids in places that they usually would never have access to these technologies is one of my biggest passions. So that's what we're doing with Tech Row, and then another venture is Food Stream Network, which is my husband and I. Um, so he's really leading that charge. During the pandemic, um, when the whole thing happened, we and our and our business went on hold. We decided to get on the ground and go feed New Yorkers. We didn't even know that there was like food insecurity. I didn't even know what food insecurity was. I didn't know what a food desert was. So when you when you realize that there's all these issues and one of the wealthiest cities in the in the world. And it's literally in my doorstep. You can't just, again, you can't close your eyes to these things. So we put our heads together and using technology to to solve some of the problems that we saw. Um, that's what Foodstream does. So it's we're creating something like a LinkedIn for food. Um, and that's my husband's leading that charge. So yeah, so that's my world of social entrepreneurship.
0: Wow. What do you mean? That's like a huge universe. You're doing so much. <laughs>
2: I got one life to live. I I, I, I got to do it all. And if they say you can't, they're, well, they're, they're half not lying because it's true. It's hard, but Hey, you know, you gotta, you gotta live your life.
0: You are such a disruptor. I love it. And the LinkedIn for food, can you dive into that a little bit? How does that work?
2: It's amazing. So one of the biggest things that we saw, so, so during the pandemic, Rich, my husband was on the ground, like literally, uh, putting pop-up farmer's markets all over New York, you see a, a, a British sexy man in like farmer outfit driving a huge truck. Like he is so prim and proper and British looking. And then you see him dressed like a farmer driving trucks all over New York, feeding Harlem, Bronx, Queens, Brooklyn. It's hysterical, but that now he's known as farmer rich. Um. So he was doing farmer's markets and I was feeding like the Bronx and all this stuff. We, we realized that the biggest problem is not that there's a lack of food. You know, it's not that people are going hungry, but not because there's a lack of food, but because there's a lack of connectivity. Like there's so much money here. There's so much need here. There's so many people here that want to do something. Why don't we connect them to each other? So the LinkedIn of food is going to do that. And the and he's been building the, the platform for several uh, months now, and, and it's going to be launching in like a week or two. And the idea is that, Anybody who is a community-based organization who needs the food uh, or the funding will be able to connect to the food, either the restaurant or whoever the food provider is and whoever is doing the funding. So he's connecting all those people to each other and they go in there. And just like LinkedIn, when it started, it wasn't promising you a job, but it was enabling you through technology to to go on a platform and be exposed, expose yourself to the people that are offering jobs. There's jobs and there's people that need jobs. Why don't we connect them? That's exactly what he's doing through FoodStream Network.
0: Wow, that's so amazing. And what about like for people like sometimes, you know, like entrepreneurs like Alex and I that are kind of like starting out, we want to be socially conscious and we want to make an impact. Can we go onto that app and also be like, hey, where can I help like to lend volunteer time? Like is yeah. there also like something where you connect the volunteers to something?
2: Yeah, so that's gonna come down the line like we're st- because it's a technology platform you want to create, <clears throat> you want to create something that you bring to the market really quickly and you test it so that you're constantly building something that people actually need. Um, one of the things that he was doing as well was he he, he put together this huge um, list of volunteers, people that just need want to constantly go out there and help. So yeah, that's actually in the pipeline for um, for him because he saw he he has a list of a lot of people that want to help, and that's also what he's incorporating into the platform. Yeah. Wow,
3: well, I, I mean,
2: love it. Yeah,
0: that's amazing. That's so awesome. I don't. I have not heard of anything like that. So that's um, that's gonna really make a difference. So.
2: Yeah, I think so too. I'm so excited. I feel so proud. You know.
3: Yeah.
0: I, I love it because like uh, we were talking about this, Joanna, when we were on the phone, how like just picking that right partner sometimes, you know, like just, I don't know. I feel like you found that guy that really like connects with your essence and your core values. Like you mentioned one of your core values. Um, and so that's so important too, like making sure that you're walking the same walk with your partner, especially as an entrepreneur, as a woman, as a career-minded woman, um, making those decisions and, and exactly who, you know, who your partner is, is like, just makes a difference. Like, I feel like you guys make such a great team together. You're literally two goats.
2: We are literally two goats. I agree. I, I think it's really important. It's really funny because I always felt very independent. Freedom is one of my biggest core values. Um, and I never saw myself married. I just didn't see it. You know, I'm like, I, I just couldn't imagine myself with someone because I hadn't met anybody that I imagined myself with for the rest of my life. And I I was on a mission, you know, I have big dreams. I'm the first one in my family to break a lot of barriers. And I'm going to continue to do that because I want to inspire everybody in my family to, to, to feel that they too can do it, you know, so but when I met Rich um, and he was thinking the same thing, he's like, you know, I'm not going to get married. Da da da. But I think we just, we felt like, you know what? It feels really good. It feels like we're in alignment. Uh, and I started feeling like, you know, and I was super transparent with him and I was upfront because I was like, I don't have time for this. Like, what's your deal? You know, what's your situation? Cause I think we had been dating for like two months and I was like, what do you want in life? tell me what's going on because I don't have time for this and I don't yeah you know, I don't know it would be funny for you guys to hear his side of the story it's probably completely different
0: so you literally were like what are we doing um just tell me the game plan what's the budget
2: <laughs> well, yeah like I like totally, producer. I totally produced the shit out of my marriage a hundred percent like <laughs> I made that shit happen
0: I love it like a boss
2: yeah yeah no I was like because I don't have time for this you know I was on Bumble I was like I need I don't have time for the I like that part of my life needs to be resolved because I need to focus
0: girl I I feel the same way like I'm like how can I resolve that part of my life because I'm the same way right I'm still single um but I'm like man you know I feel like okay we're badass now that we're sick that I'm single I guess because you guys are married now but when we were single, we were badass or I'm badass, whatever. But imagine with a great partner with like somebody that really lifts you and like encourages you, supports your dreams. I feel like you would even like rock even more. Like there would be so much more confidence, so much more swag in your step. Like, I feel like a good partnership just brings the best out of you. So I'm just can't wait to find that, you know?
2: Yeah. No, you know what it is, and I don't know what Alex thinks about this, but for me, I really believe that when I shifted my thinking, because I wasn't looking, I'm not, I didn't need anybody. I don't need anybody to be happy, to be successful, to be me. I don't need anybody. But what I realized was I always had a list of the things I was looking for in a partner, and then I shifted it because I was like, that's the energy I'm putting out. So I shifted my list and I put put together a list of the things I want to give. In a relationship, and the person I want to be in a relationship, and then I started creating that self for my for myself. I remember I was in a like my aunt and my mom, my aunts especially. They were like, "What's gonna what's going on? Why don't you get married?" People people just assume that it's like it's because I don't want to get married. I'm like, well, I just haven't met somebody that I don't want to be with. Like, chill. And then I was—I started telling them, you know what, God, because they speak in those terms, I said, God is preparing my partner for me. Right now, God wants me to prepare myself for that person. And God will put us together when God feels ready. And they love that answer. So I just always gave them that answer. But deep down, I really believed it.
0: I'm going to um, use that, girl. Yeah. Para uh, que dejen de Okay, they que dejen de
2: joder. Dejen de joder like, and then they were like, ah. Oh, okay. Okay.
3: <laughs> I like, I like I I what you said that you had to shift your mind about what you wanted and who you wanted to be in a relationship. Cause that's something that I don't think we've heard any of the women podcasts say before. Mm. And it's, it's so on point. I had never thought of it that way.
0: Yeah. Because you can't expect something from someone. If you're not that yourself, we mirror who we attract. Yeah. It's so true.
2: hundred percent. And if you look at who I was dating before and then my husband is like perfection you know he's exactly what I envisioned
0: <laughs> I love that you're so in love with him
3: still how long have you been married
2: <laughs> like two days <laughs>
3: well, you know, I didn't been, 2015 so
2: yeah we met in 2015 and literally were like moved in right away no like uh yeah we oh a year later we were already we signed a lease together oh somebody's here, and then um yeah, we've been, I think, married four years now.
0: So I love that. Congratulations on that. I think um I think that's so important. I partnership that that's one thing that I'm I can't wait to finally find that guy, you know? Because we're we're so, you know, we're like the type of women we are, it has to be like a special guy, you know, that's kind of like an aligned, you know. So I'm I'm happy for you. But just moving on, what women inspire you? We've talked about a lot of, you know the men that had kind of been helping you out or the family in Hamptons, but like, have there been any women along the way?
2: Yeah. Um, well, a hundred women inspired me my whole life. Uh, I come from a very strong matriarchal family. So my, my grandmother was my biggest source of inspiration. Um, she was the first social entrepreneur I ever met. she, really is that the essence of my like my core um and my mother my mother is an extremely strong powerful independent woman um hard working i think my work ethic i got from my mother um <clears throat> and i could go down the list of all my aunts um but i think when i look it's so funny because when i was 12 um i read something that hillary said was it when I was 12? No, maybe a little older. Anyways, one time I read something that Hillary said. Somebody asked her, Hillary Clinton. She, somebody asked her, oh, yeah, you dated um, a guy who's um, who's pumping gas at a gas station. Imagine what would have been, like, your life if you would have married him. She said, yeah, he would have been the president of the United States.
3: I was Woo-hoo! like, oh, God. oh, my God. Oh, I got goosebumps. God.
2: I was like, oh, my God. God I love that woman. So I always felt so inspired by her strength um, by you know it's so it's so crazy how now I don't know if you guys have seen there's a hulu documentary about her. I love it because it's I feel like she's been so misunderstood and she's always been so disruptive and being a strong woman in in her during her time and all the things that she had to overcome, so inspiring to me. Um, the fact that she wouldn't take her husband's last name was something that was like so many things about her that were so inspiring and so badass to me and that she was always trying to to, to break. She's always breaking glass ceilings. Um, she was always a huge inspiration to me. Uh, I know this is going to be really s- stupid, but Mother Teresa, I read a book about her at, when I was young and her sense of, of service. Was always really inspiring to me, and I, 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 I didn't want to be like her, but I knew that my grandmother had this. Um, she ingrained in me like the sense of duty, the sense of service. And when I, when I read, because when I was younger, every time I got upset at my mom, I told her I was going to go become a nun. So, <clears throat> and she'd be like, "Yay!" I'm like that's not the reaction I was looking for. Um, So I just, I I was inspired by her path, not to become a nun, but her sense of service and duty. So those were some.
3: Outside of your career, what else moves you and what are you passionate about? Because you have a lot of projects and they do, and you do amazing things, but what else inspires you on a day-to-day?
2: Family and education, learning. I am so curious about everything. Um, I feel like for me, I'm a sponge. I'm so curious. I, but I, I, like, if you look at my audible, cause that's how I read books now, I listen to them. Um, everything is around leadership and management. And, um, like I always, I feel like in business, that's always 50%, if not more of the challenges you have. One huge part of it is you're always out selling and trying to get like bring in revenue or or trying to bring in funding. The other part is managing and leading people, um, and that's something that I feel like since I've been doing it for so many years now, and I still haven't mastered it. Like it's still the one thing that I'm always like, you know, because now there's always generational shifts, and yeah. and we're generationally shifting. So that's one area that I always feel like I need to really. Um, And like get better at and grow into. So those are the the two things like leadership, education. Well, now it's three leadership, education and family and family to me is everything. Like whenever I'm feeling down, low, confused, sad, happy, any emotion, I'm always seeking family. They're like my, my zone. Yeah, Yeah.
3: Comfort zone. You're, you're where you feel safe.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And now that my husband and I don't have kids yet, that's a whole nother story. Um, so I'm always going to
3: like, I'm seeking the yeah. children in my family. <laughs> um, little ones are so cute. I have a little one. She's She just turned one not too long ago, so. oh. What um What advice would you give young women that are listening, that would like to follow in your footsteps? Mm. Um.
2: Well, nobody should follow in anybody anybody's footsteps. I want to tell them that, like, follow their own footsteps, create their own um, footprints. Um, but it, but I love that because I always wanted to follow in other people's footsteps, and then I realized I was trying to be other people, and then I realized I need to be me. And who is that? And I, to this day, I'm still trying like, trying to figure it out. Um, and so I would tell I would tell young women because this is what I would tell my niece and my nieces. Um, don't for, don't be afraid to have a voice. Don't be afraid to, oh, it's saying admit. Oh, look at that. Um, don't be afraid to have a voice. Don't be afraid to take risk. Don't be afraid to fail. I feel like I fail every other day, if not every day. I, and for me, failure is just falling and we're gonna keep falling. But at the end of the day, when you fall, you don't just stay on the ground. You get up, you wipe down your knees, and you keep walking. So don't be afraid to fail. Don't Don't be afraid to ask a lot of questions. My whole life I've been told I ask too many questions. But that's also, I think, what makes me good at what I do. Um, I also went to journalism school, so I learned how to be <clears throat> objective. So I'm always looking at both sides because I never want to be stuck on one side. One thing that I learned during my MBA program it was such a simple example, but it made so much sense. Like if I hold up my phone, you see one side of it, and I see another side of it. If you and I are having an argument, we're we're fighting over what you're seeing, and I'm fighting over what I'm seeing. And I will stick to my ground and I will say I will say, No, you're wrong, you're not seeing that. Mm-hmm. And you'll say, No, you're wrong, you're not seeing that if you just turn around and look at the other side, you see that you're both looking at the same thing. You're looking at a phone. You're just looking at it from two different sides. That's- so I would tell young women, like get out of your, whatever it is that the story that you think you're telling yourself and try to look at the story that the other person is, is seeing and and try and be objective in life. So don't be afraid to fail. Um, be Try to be objective in life. Ask a lot of questions. Um, create your own footprints and, and, and create your own um you know your own path in life and um and and always get an education like be
3: curious L- read a lot listen a lot
2: that's so important
3: i love that you said that because um it's a very inspirational message i had never heard it put that way you're you're really like um you're saying all these things in this episode that I can tell you with with a hundred percent guarantee that I haven't heard other guests say. So it's very valuable lessons that you're giving everyone. Not following in anyone else's footsteps, it's a huge one. Create your own footsteps. Love that so much.
2: yeah. and And my friend, um let me see if I have it here. My friend recommended a book to me the other day.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: i am I'm an avid reader, but when I say reader, I'm a, com- I'm a convert. I'm an audible book so I can read, so I can get through books faster. Through Throughout this pandemic, like everybody, I think we've all had some like massive self-exploration, you know, and I'm like, I'm doing so many things. Like I, I never want to be lost. I always want to be on my path. So I check in with myself constantly and I, I, I encourage people people to do this because I think it's healthy. So I check in with myself constantly to make sure that I'm, that I'm good with me. Cause whenever we feel like we're lost and whenever we're feeling uh, confused, shitty, whatever it is, it's, it's because something is, is not in alignment within us because everything starts and ends with us, with our brains. So the other day, my, I was talking to my friend, uh, coaches are very important and mentors. I was talking to my friend, and she was like, Oh my God, you have to read this book. It's so good. The Mana Paradigm Shift mm-hmm. and uh, Creating the Consciousness of Abundance and Freedom by Davina Kotolsky, Dr. Davina Kotolsky. This is my friend's therapist. And she was like, Oh my God, I'm so excited. My, my therapist wrote a book. So the book talks about how, you know, we create abundance and freedom and it's, it's within us. And this is something that I've always known. And and I feel like I'm always living in that, in that energy, but it's so good to check in with ourselves every once in a while, because whenever we're not in alignment, it's because we're not checking in with ourselves. So I encourage everybody to do that. Um, because it it doesn't matter who the woman is or the person, nobody ever has everything together, you know, and it's okay to want to explore and do a lot as long as you're in alignment and you're on your path. Like for me, my passions are education. That's why I'm doing Tech Row, uh, solving real world problems with technology, Foodstream, uh, executive producer, creative technologist, Tech Row, um, Freedom Studios, storytelling. So everything is in alignment. Mm-hmm. And I just manage my time and I figure out where I'm, where, how to spread myself evenly or, or as needed. So
0: checking in with yourself, um, that's where you kind of were able to identify these core values. Is that also part of the check-in process?
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. So I was able to identify my core values a long time ago because I, I think when I first got into when I first left Viacom and I was trying to figure out who I was. Oh, another big thing that happened was my mom went from being a Catholic to a born again Christian. And that just messed up my life at 21. I was so confused. I'm like, what am I supposed to be now? (laughs) So I realized, Oh, I, I just, it's okay. I, I can be whatever I am. I just need to find out who that is. So I did a whole like self-exploration, um, workshop around, who am I? What do I believe in? What are my values? And that's when I really identified, you know, freedom is a huge one for me. Spirituality is really important because if, for me, spirituality is connecting with me. I think God is, she's within me. Um. Uh, so, you know, family, these things that ground us, you know, so checking back in with those uh, and and yeah, and listening to the work is is inside of us. We're always searching outside when the answers are inside. So meditation is huge. Um, yeah, check in with yourself constantly.
0: I love it. I think I'm definitely going to figure out my core values because then you can work around those to really create that, the life you want. 100%.
2: Yeah.
3: And I it, love that. It keeps you in alignment with you. Right. Mm-hmm. So what? That's- what's next for you?
2: There's always more. Like for me, I want to be one of the most powerful women in media. I want to help transform the way we tell stories, the technologies we use to consume content. I want to have my hands um, in the education space with these technologies. I want to create a hybrid between um, you know, the how we consume media responsibly how do we tell responsible stories? Um, I don't wanna contribute. This is something I've been thinking a lot about, especially since the last election and fake news and fake media and all this stuff. And we're getting into another era that we don't even know. Ladies, it's it's gonna get, like, we think it's bad with the fake news and all that stuff. It's gonna get worse because the technologies that we're building are so powerful Mm -hmm. when you, one thing is like you hear that this is not true, this is not accurate um journalism is going through a whole other shift um uh, but the technologies that we're building right now are you know like there's something like deep fakes where they you can change a person's face like right now you can change my face and you can make my my lips move and I can say whatever you want me to say just program it into a computer in that it. so like these things are this is the next generation like where we're in this fourth industrial revolution, like things are happening that are exciting. It's not to be scary, they're exciting. You know, Back when an airplane was built and a train was built, people were like, oh my God, we're dying. The end of the world is here. It's not the end of the world. It's just, I wanna be aware and responsible of how we build stories in the future, how we tell stories in the future, what technologies we use in the future, um so for me I'm I'm going to be the same version. I'm going to be a better version of myself next. That's what I want to be. That's what I'm focusing on and continuing to do all the things that I'm doing um and hopefully in a in a bigger
3: better way.
0: <laughs> You're such a boss,
3: you are. Uh, right? She's yeah. so amazing.
0: Where do you get your confidence from? Do you think it comes from like just experience because I feel like a lot of us we, we suffer from, you know, the imposter syndrome and, but you're so confident. You just said, I want to be the most powerful woman in, in, in media. One of. So
2: <clears throat> one of. Yeah. And the right. reason I say that, I don't mean to cut you off. is because to me, power is not like, oh yeah, look at me. Uh, I'm powerful. No, it's to me, it's, I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to break barriers and it all stems from my family. Like, all my my aunts, my mom, cleaning ladies, statistics, came to this country, country undocumented through Mexico. They got, like, fake papers. I came here because my mom married somebody just so she could get a green card and then bring us here. Like, that's my story. Like, my whole family is that story. I want to create the next generation of my family. And I want them to, I want the next generation after that to be, like, I want somebody in my family to be a president, to be a doctor, to be a lawyer, to be these things that I didn't grow up seeing. Um, So my confidence is not, I I don't think there's such a thing as confidence. I think that there's such a thing as self-journey, self-exploration, and the power within. So I go through insecurities every day. I go through, that's why I'm reading this Mana Paradigm Shift now um I think that just checking in with ourselves it's it's so healthy it's so it's I don't think I'm confident I think that I'm just not I'm not afraid you know and when I said I wanted to be the most powerful woman one of the most powerful women in media um comes from that you know not being afraid to to believe in myself to be my biggest cheerleader um people might mock me might make fun of me like that's been my thing my whole life but that's what you got to do when you think big you got to be okay with people thinking all those things about you um as long as you know your core and as long as you know who you are and where you're going then I think that projects you know people people see that and it's okay it's okay to think that big because for me it's like I have nieces and nephews now I think that's my strength to me it's like they're looking at my social they're listening to what I'm saying yes I have to be responsible for them yes that's where that quote-unquote confidence comes from it's really for them
0: I can relate to that because I have nieces and nephews um and they exactly I have been you know I've been that 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 can show them like hey you have a dream you can go and do it like because we came from like a traditional household where our parents were like no like my mom didn't want me to go into tv she thought it was going to be hard like you're never going to make money Mm -hmm. and clearly there are jobs clearly we can make money Mm -hmm. um and so we're now in a generation of like what dream do you have how can we how can we make it happen let's go Mm -hmm. and they're seeing it through me through me living my my dream through me being entrepreneurial to me, like, you know, helping others being positive, like, especially now with social media, there's so much room for like negativity and to be part of that boat of negativity when, you know, we should champion women and we should champion people that want to shift that and want to empower each other. Cause you know, there's always been that stigma that women don't support each other. And that's a lie. I, I, I I think we should shift that. And because of women like us, we are shifting that. And we are not glorifying the bully culture, you know?
2: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think that, I think because I came, I grew up in such a matriarchal family and my family is such a family of service and we're all always there for each other. And my grandmother really built that culture in my family. I see life through that lens. So I'm always looking to help other women because I see other women as my little sisters or as my aunts or as, you know, um, I think it's about that. You know, I'm always sharing. I want to share what I know. I want to tell people about the books I'm reading. I want to tell people about the things I've done and how I failed and how I fall and how I get myself up because I do that with other people. I, I want to see how other people did it so I can learn from them. Um, And I think that's so healthy, you know, I'm not always social, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but but I do want to do more social, just showing, you know, how I fall on my face and then how I get up. So hopefully that inspires somebody.
0: Well, this is exactly why we do what we do to show that story, to show that back end and to show that, you know, we fall, but we get back up and then, you know, there's better on the other side always. It's, it's this or better always.
2: I love it. And, and this made a lot of sense when I saw you guys doing this, because I've always seen you like that. You've always been mm. that way, you know, and I've known you for many years and you've always been that person. So I salute you ladies for doing this. I'm mm. so proud.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for this early Saturday morning interview. I know it's early, even though Alex is a mom and she's like, I'm up at 6am. I was like, girl, this is early because we had one earlier at eight. (laughs) We had another interview. So thank you for, um, you know, really just diving into your world to our audience, because I think what you just mentioned is going to be so valuable to them. And And this is why we do it. We want to not not only celebrate women like you, but also lend a hand to women that are coming up and that are trying to find their way. So thank you so much. Oh,
2: thank you, ladies.
0: Thank you so much. And now to end it,
3: Alex has to guess what sign you are. So I'm thinking you're either a Capricorn or a Scorpio. Oh, wow. Oh, I'm so bad at this okay but, okay but you have
0: to take into consideration all that she said
3: did I you study so it
2: the <laughs> fact that you guess people's signs like kudos to you because I don't even know I barely know my own so. that
3: always gets it right what are you I'm a I'm a Taurus that's the third one I said right but I think that with the feedback <laughs> of all of us but I said Oh you I said Taurus Well, when you guys were talking, I said, if not, you have to be a Taurus, is what I said.
0: Uh, Oh, then you're good, Alex. You got it.
3: I got, it was my third try, so.
0: You're getting good at this. She's definitely a Taurus. Do you see Taurus in her, though? Yeah, I do. I do. So Taurus.
2: I'm super Taurus. I'm like, I'm very grounded, but I'm very, ah.
0: Yeah, it's like, chop, chop, let's go. Yeah. (laughs) It drives my husband
3: crazy because he's an what Aries. What sign is he? He's an Aries.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. He's okay with being like, hey. yeah. And I'm like,
0: where can people follow you? Where can they find, you know, about two goats? Is there anything that you want to share so that they oh. can follow you?
2: Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah, please follow me. This is where I'm really bad. So you can find me on Instagram. I'm big on Instagram. Um, Underscore Johanna Salazar. Two Ns. Um I'm on Instagram. I'm on I, I'm a huge LinkedIn person. Um there's Freedom Studios Inc. on Instagram, Tech Row on Instagram, and um Foodstream Network on Instagram and two goats on Instagram.
0: <laughs> all of them. We'll tag them as soon as the, the episode is out. We'll tag all of those and make sure that people are following you. But thank you so much again for your time and for everything that you shared today. I think it's going to be so valuable and thank you everyone for listening. Um until next episode, we'll catch you guys later.
1: You're listening to Girls Gone Boss, hosted by Alex and Gabby. I love you guys. Oh
3: yeah.